Hello, and welcome to Vampire the Masquerade V5, Life as a Vampire. This is a prep episode uh, where I talk about how I am preparing for episode 6. So, at this point, it's starting to finally feel less like a specialized homebrewish campaign and more like an actual game. While Kay threw me a curveball with the implication that she should have to learn her abilities rather than simply know them, uh, things are working out in such a way that she's basically a quote-unquote normal vampire at this point, albeit a very young one. But the bigger reason it's starting to feel like a real or more traditional campaign is the fact that now I really have to do the thing I was most afraid of and doubted my ability to do, which is start a political story that focuses on Anarchs versus the Camarilla. Or so I thought. Now, bear with me here. I'm kind of going to lead you through my train of thought, and it gets it's a little bit disorganized. But uh, while I did make some notes about a possible Camarilla faction, as per the Lazy Dungeon Master method, and I listed uh, what they refer to in that book as fronts. So fronts are elements or factions of the game with goals and plans to achieve those goals. Uh, so you're basically supposed to write them down like, you know, this camera faction has the goal of taking over X city. What are they doing to achieve that? They're notes to kind of keep you aware of the world. While you're focused in on one certain area, there are factions moving around and acting all over. So this is designed to help with that. So I started using that to kind of write out some uh, things that Camarilla may be doing. But another idea hit me in the middle of that. Uh, this idea may not be as realistic, but it really does excite me, and in the end, I want to do what's fun. Because basically, this is for us to have fun. It's not, you know, I don't necessarily have to follow all of the V5 lore so perfectly. So my idea is that maybe a human vampire hunter cleared out the base. I'm not going to lie. I heard, I listened to a different Vampire Vampire the Masquerade, 25 Years in Review, a retrospective podcast. That's another podcast I listened to, and they discussed someone called Sullivan Dane, who's basically just like a badass vampire hunter, uh, a human. I hadn't heard about him. I'm sure I have one of the books with him in it because I did spend some money on a humble bundle that just gave me a big pile of books that I'm still of the old version that I'm still working through. But this really excited me. So I like that idea. And the more I thought about it, the more it got fleshed out. I'm thinking one of the vampires who was turned by Malachi just couldn't handle it. But rather than just walking out into the sun, he ran home and talked to his father, his highly religious father. And I'm sure they went through some horrible things together, but ultimately the father decided that he could use this as an opportunity to wipe away his own sins by having his son turn against these people and destroy these tools of the devil. Now, I'm still working this out, but the idea of a vampire, just a misguided young vampire, teaming up with his overbearing, controlling, overly religious uh, father, possibly mentally unwell father, to murder these vampires is a neat story to go over. I mean, does Kay and her allies, do they kill these people? Do they try to figure out what their motivations are? Do they try to save the vampire? So we'll see how that goes. I have all these high hopes, but who knows? Maybe I'll just get laughed at when it goes some completely in some completely different direction. Uh, so we have Cindy and Lisa. 
and I had them claim that they saw three or four guys. That was my bad. I made that up on the fly, and it doesn't really match with what I'm trying to do. So I'm going to need to address that in a conversation. Maybe have them admit she didn't see what she thought she saw. I know that's kind of lame, and I will be more careful in the future. I wasn't really sure to what degree I should flesh out Lisa and Cindy, since I was not entirely convinced that I'd be keeping them around. But today, when I started writing out their stories, I found it pretty fun, so I kept at it. I'm still trying to figure out the best way to create NPCs with depth without spending too much time on areas that may never be necessary. That's something I've always been guilty of, even when I was doing Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. I love to write, and I love to just chase the dragon that's not the right term for that i love to just follow it down the the rabbit hole but you know maybe only 10 or 20 percent of that ever gets actually used so i'm trying to be more efficient not only i'm not only just trying to have fun but i'd also like to improve myself as a storyteller so my method so far has been to write their name how long ago they were embraced uh add a basic description that i try to limit to one or two lines that includes you know their overall physical appearance and their clothing style Then I dedicate another line to their personality type and a brief description of their attitude. Uh, So, like, let's see. An example of that would be for Malachi. His physical description was late 30s, long blonde hair, unkempt, thin with blue jeans, white t-shirt, Gucci shoes, looks sickly these days, pale, thin. And then the next line is sharp features, loud, passionate. After that, I list their stats, which just basically I took a little slice out of the book uh, and I just copied that and I just fill it in as necessary for vampires and humans alike. But to be honest, I'm still struggling with how to decide on stats. I don't feel super comfortable. I don't feel like, oh, okay, this person's going to have this. Like with D&D, I, I know, okay, everybody can start with a base of 10. Uh, but here... I am not totally sure. So it's almost like a mini character creation session each time, and that doesn't seem like the most efficient way to do things. So that's something I'm going to need to look into more. I'd say another issue with that is also just that I don't have a feel for what's too strong or too weak. And I'm not super convinced that I'm going to make use of each stat. But uh, again, I would want to look into that a bit more. So once the stats have been decided, I write down some key facts about the NPC. For example, in Cindy's case, I wrote that she ran away from home due to pressure from her family to do well. So I'll list that, and then I'll follow it up with a quote from her to help me get a feel on who, uh, get get a better feel for who she is on the fly. The quote I gave her to help me visualize this part of her personality is, if you're not from a rich family or some kind of genius, then what's the point of even trying? So I I create a few uh, things like that, sometimes in the form of a quote like that, or sometimes just like a fact about their life. And then I highlight each of them. I fill a page with them almost, and I highlight each of them with uh, either green, yellow, or red. Green is something that they're willing to discuss, uh, something that would come up naturally in conversation or that they would volunteer on their own. Uh, Something highlighted in yellow is something that maybe they wouldn't volunteer on their own, but they would share of their own volition if they felt they could trust the person they're talking to, or maybe if the, the PC like wins a role or something. And things highlighted in red are things that they would not want to share unless there were some sort of extenuating circumstances, like a near-death experience or, you know, the player won some role with a crazy amount of successes or uh, maybe they had a spell cast on them. So in Cindy and Lisa's case, I don't 
really want them to become main characters. Or So I would like to just give them one page with all of this info, the name, the stats, the description, and then the facts about themselves, and just get it all done in one page for each. Uh, but for example, like Shion, he has a page like the one I described, but he also gets a separate page filled with more facts and more quotes related to topics that I feel like he's going to be asked about. Uh, and hi- highlighted in the way that I explained before. To be completely honest, I do know that I'm probably over-preparing to some degree, uh, but creating and flushing out NPCs is one of my favorite things about being a storyteller, so I'm allowing myself to do it and thinking of it as a guilty pleasure. That said, though, as I stated in the first episode of this podcast, my goal is to make myself into a better storyteller, so I hope my methods are going to continue to evolve, and we'll just have to see how this goes. Now, the more I think about episode six, the more I want to introduce some combat into the game. And to butcher a quote from the Lazy Dungeon Master, uh, if things start to drag, nothing builds excitement like a man with a gun in his hand. So I've decided that while the group stayed in the compromised warehouse as a matter of necessity, it needs to be made clear to them that this place is in no way safe. Therefore, a sniper will open fire. To be honest, as storyteller, I would kind of like to get rid of one of the new girl characters because since this is a one-on-one, you know, me as storyteller and wife as player, uh, more NPCs means more acting for me and more difficulty on Kay's part in telling everyone apart. That was also something I struggled with. Um, I get really nervous making, doing the voices, but I really want to be the kind of person who does voices. Uh, I feel like I need to take an improv class or something. But that said... Uh, I don't want to be a role fudger either, so I have to decide at the very least who the sniper is going to prioritize. I'm thinking Lisa, and this is, I guess, my selfish decision as a storyteller. She's the one I'm least attached to, so I have to think about how this is going to go. In my mind, for dramatic effect, I would love to just have the sniper take out Lisa in one shot. Uh, I don't want to fudge roles, but... I feel like it would just make things go smoother if she was one-shotted and removed. And I guess I could roll because there are rules about surprise and difficulty being low when they're not expecting an attack. But at the same time, I kind of just want to guarantee that she is taken out and then start rolling for real for everyone else. I don't know how big of a faux pas that is, and I have to think about whether or not I really want to do it. But Having Lisa be shot mid-conversation, I think, would really uh, shock things back on track. And then after that, I guess that the sniper would prioritize either Shion or Cindy. Uh, I think I would have Kay be targeted last, just for the obvious reason that I don't want her to die right away. And, uh, you know, it's not that out of the question that uh, they just... I mean, it could be random who, who they're targeting, so it is what it is. After Lisa is shot, then I need to have the sniper somehow decide. I guess it'll depend on movement of the characters, where everybody goes, but obviously it'd be easier for me if the sniper was able to prioritize either Shion or Cindy, just because I would prefer not to kill Kay. Uh, But I'm not going to fudge the rules after that shot to Lisa, so I'll have to make my own decision after that as to how to handle things. So the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think that this vampire hunter should be aided by another vampire. Uh, A vampire that is possibly one of the vampires that was churned out by Malachi, who could not handle being a vampire. And 
ultimately, instead of walking out into the sun to end his existence, ran back home to his family, who was kind of terrible and overly religious, and that being the reason that he left in the first place, and then finding some sort of new bond with his father, who decides that he can wipe away all of their sins, or at least his own, because he's secretly very uh, selfish, by using his son, this trick by the devil, to turn his son into a vampire, uh, against the devil by destroying these demonic creatures, or so he sees it. So, I like this idea, and I want to see how it goes. So as for my notes uh, regarding the this vampire hunter and his son, I looked up the, uh, you know, there's some templates for creating mortals, and I decided that the vampire hunter, who I have named Glenn Whitehead, uh, would be a typical mortal. Not weak, not strong, just typical. And I filled in his stats accordingly. Uh, I gave a quick physical description, and then I just kind of started doing what I always do, which is giving him a page, writing his age, you know, physical description. In his case, it's he's a middle-aged man of small but muscled stature, dressed in a black coat, shirt, and cargo pants from an army surplus store no facial hair, and hat. Uh, kind of loosely based on the religious villain in the Punisher Netflix series uh, in season two, if you, if any of you happen to have seen that. His facts are, in green, we have comes from a religious family and is very religious now. In yellow, we have he believes Gregory, that's his son, the vampire, believes Gregory becoming a vampire was the devil's work, but believes himself clever by using Gregory as a weapon against kindred. Another yellow. His wife passed from illness years ago, and Gregory is his son. And then we have two in red. Uh, the red facts are, believes he is a terrible sinner because of his thoughts. And this is why he never became a priest. So uh, I'm thinking in this case, his thoughts are just normal thoughts. Maybe something about sex, or maybe he just likes gambling. I haven't decided that. But basically stuff that like normal people do, uh, he views as making him ineligible for heaven. And finally, using his son Gregory to hunt vampires, hoping it will wipe away some of his sins. So I have his motivation, I have his stats, I have his son's motivation, I have his son's stats. Now it's time to throw them in and see how it goes. But I'm going to create a cheat sheet for how battle works, because I need to have those roles in mind. And I have to know it well enough to be able to guide K. Uh, you know, to be able to say, okay, wits and awareness, you know, right away. I can't have her, I can't expect her to be able to tell me what she thinks because I feel like this is all still kind of overwhelming. So I'll verse myself in that uh, and then get to it. I drew myself a loose map, just really crude. Uh, so I have a general idea of positioning. And uh, this vampire and his father are outside of the hangar. The father is on the north uh, east end, and the sun is on the southeast end. So we'll see how it goes, and I'm sure you'll hear it in the next episode. Thanks for listening.